Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today. Thanks for listening. If you happen to be a new listener to Talking Money, just a refresher that we don't sell, I don't sell anything. So this is different than every other radio show on WGTK and probably pretty much every other uh, talk radio station because I don't sell a product. There's no hidden agenda. I'm not trying to sell you some insurance and not telling you I'm trying to sell it. That, that just doesn't happen on Talking Money. So this is the only... Live call-in show about money on WGTK, The Answer. So we're, we're happy about that, but we do say it as a live call-in program. So that means we would love your participation. Phone number 877-235-9405. Topic today is estate planning, but before we get to that, and Joel Stoudemire, my guest, sitting here in the studio with me, I've got a little announcement to make. So this uh, passed Wednesday morning at 2.31 a.m., Little Camden Daniel was born into our our son's family, which means he's our third grandson. So grandma and grandpa, or G pops, and then G mom is that we are called, as, and that's what the oldest one, you know, whatever the oldest one, uh, Joel, whatever they they start calling you, I guess that's what you get called. You understand that? I do. I'm I'm JoJo. By the You're way. JoJo. Okay, <laughs> good. So that happened. So uh, I, and I was telling someone else this week that. Uh, seems like the older you get, the more adults it takes per child to, to just be sane and, and not uh, wear yourself completely out watching those toddlers run around and do all the things that they do. So anyway, we're pleased with that. Uh, came in at eight pounds, originally seven, ended up being six ounce uh, for the uh, actual weight. So big boy, uh, even though he's got some lung issues there, but he still came out fine. So we're real praising the Lord about that. And about 21 inches, I think, is what uh, you know, all all the ladies want to know, all those uh, nitty-gritty details. So everybody's healthy, home, and ready to go. And uh, so I'm taking a break <laughs> coming on the radio. So, I, so I'm so i not getting as tired here as I would then. But anyway, uh, so talking money, there again, what I, like I said, is uh, is all about education. So we're not here about trying to sell you a, a product at all. And uh, we do want to help you make smart decisions with your money. We want to help make sure you're not making the wrong decisions with your money. So 877-235-9405 is the phone line or text line. We'd love to hear from you. So Joel Steinemeyer is my guest. He's been on a number of times over the years. We've had Talking Money. This is the 14th year for Talking Money, but it's also hard to believe. And uh, has done a lot of work with our clients and me personally, and uh, just have a lot of respect for Joel and his uh, experience, skill set in this area. So this is your chance to ask an estate tax, uh, even a tax question, to uh, an expert. And uh, you don't have to pay the hourly fee, at least at least not on the radio. <laughs> so you'll get as much as you can out of it uh, that uh, that you want to while while you have the chance. So Joel, welcome to Talking Money once again. Well, thank you so much, Mike. It's great to be back, and uh, what a great show, and 
Uh, I really appreciate it. So uh, being the golfer that I know that you are, not so much in the wintertime, I think you're more a summertime golfer, but this this time of year where, where the it's uh, cold and windy and it's like who wants to be out there anyway, and with all the rain we've had lately, this is a good time to be inside and just, just talk about something you talk about all day, every day. Absolutely. <laughs> good old estate planning. Of course, things have happened here. The last couple of years we've had a couple different with the SECURE Act, just being passed, and we talked a lot about that a few weeks ago with Alan Cox from our national office came up, CPA that heads up our state trust uh, administration division. Um, but then, uh, you know, not too long ago when when President Trump and Congress passed the, the legislation that increased all these personal exemptions or all the um, uh, tax, federal tax exemptions and all that kind of uh, changed the way we should be looking. A lot of changes have happened that, that some people aren't aware of. We want to make sure they're aware of them today. So uh, you know, let's plow right into it. What are some What are some things we need to consider with the new tax changes in, in estate planning specifically? Well, you're right, Mike. Uh, several years ago, we had some absolutely major changes in the estate planning area. Um, most people realize that the uh, estate tax exemption, the credit amount, right. uh, is now north of $11 million, and that's per person. Yeah. So a married couple has a $22 million plus plus yeah. uh, ex- exemption. Yeah. So, you know, I'm all, good. Yeah. You good? <laughs> well, you know, you know they t- they talk about oh, it only affects the uh the upper 1% of America. Yeah. Actually, it's less than that. Um so those exemptions have have essentially sheltered married couples um pr- probably, you know, Le- much less than one percent of the the country. So at least until twenty twenty five. That's right. And we don't know what's going to happen it, in twenty twenty five. It expires in twenty twenty five, and nobody knows exactly uh, what the environment will be right. about that right. time. So you know we we still do some planning around that uh, that contingency that it may may revert back or whatever. Right. Um, but th- there was other, there were other changes that I think will. Um, well, that have been very popular and will, um, I, I think will remain, such as what we call portability and those types of things. Um, but you know, a, a lot of people, um, think that because the exemptions are so high, they, they really don't need to do any, any planning and, you know, that there's a, there's a myth that trusts are no longer a viable, uh, vehicle that everybody can just, just have simple wills and and they just they, unnecessary now, right? Because I just don't need to trust anymore because I don't need to save estate taxes, and that's yeah. that's a, definitely a myth. Yeah, it is a myth. It's just not true, and it's not fair to the family um, right. because there's there's a lot of issues involved with estate planning other than just pure tax. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, I you you and I were talking a little earlier. I'm actually probably doing more trusts for. Uh, families than, mm-hmm. than, than before. Yeah. And, and, and we can kind of go into the reasons, you know, for trust other than just pure tax. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, well, they've always been there. It just, it uh, seems like it's been brought to the forefront more now that the tax piece has gone away for most people. And then you start thinking, well, do I really need a trust? And then they start thinking through, oh, well, here's all the reasons why I, I need to set up a trust that have nothing to do with saving it. Estate taxes has everything to do with making sure that my assets get passed on to the people I want them to get passed on to correctly, and maybe even protect them against themselves. And maybe you've got a spendthrift spouse, spendthrift kids, 
you've got you know potential divorce situations you're trying to protect against. I mean, there's a lot of issues there that would require a trust to make sure they get passed on correctly, right? Uh, absolutely. And and another factor is probate. Um, you'd be amazed at how many uh, people move here from out of state. Or, mm-hmm. or, or even in state, and they'll come to me and they say, Joel, you know, I just went through probate with mm-hmm. my parents or my sister or my brother or whatever, and it was not a good process. I, if whatever you can do to minimize or avoid the probate process, I would love to be able to do that. So that's that that's always a hot topic when I yeah. when we sit down and talk. Yeah. Deborah Faulkner's been on the on Talking Money a number of times over the years, and and it, in spite of how efficient Greenville County has gotten and how they do things, it's still a process that you may or may not want to avoid. But it's certainly, you ought to think through it and see if a trust would help you avoid that, and if it's necessary. Yeah, and I and by the way, I I sincerely feel like uh, Greenville County ha- has mm-hmm. probably the best probate office. Uh, in the state, I, I deal with a lot of different counties, and yeah. um, uh, it it really is good, and it it's certainly compared to what the horror stories I hear from people moving from <laughs> New York or right. California yeah. or uh, you know other other states, um, South Carolina, and particularly Greenville County, um, is you know it, it is a lot easier to yeah. work with yeah. than uh, than than uh, what I otherwise hear. Right. So we have a lot to talk about in estate planning, and there's a lot to this. And I know callers generally have a lot of questions in this area. So we've got an agenda. We've got certain things we want to talk about. But the most important thing for us to talk about is what you need to learn about for your particular situation. So if you have a question, 877-235-9405 is the phone line and the text line. So either way, we'll be glad to hear from you so we can answer those questions and make sure that you're heading in the right direction from your for your own individual estate planning needs. 877-235-9405. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ron Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. We just passed about 19 after the hour here on Talking Money. This is Mike Miller. You're listening to Talking Money. 
We want your questions about estate planning specifically today. Joel Stoudemire, my guest, with Next Improve It here in Greenville. And the number in, for text or call, 877-235-9405. 877-235-9405. Right, so, Joel, before the break, we were talking about how many people don't think that a trust is needed anymore because the state tax exemption is so high. And so they think, okay, I don't need a trust. But a lot of reasons why people need a trust, and, and maybe even people who – have had their trust set up in such a way to take advantage of the old law, maybe need to think about changing that, adjusting it some to make sure they don't cause a an issue they really hadn't planned on because the new change made they don't need to do like they used to with these, um, I guess we call these old formulas, some that use the old formula trust. So let's talk about the changes that happened and how people might want to think about adjusting that. Yeah, Um Mike, it's, it's very common to, to have a married couple come in. Um, they had their documents done back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when the estate tax exemption was somewhere around anywhere from 750000 to a million and a half or two million. Or I still remember 250000 uh, I do, too. <laughs> I wasn't going to date myself that much. But... Uh, but you know, their their documents were done back in those days, and there, uh, it was pretty common to see that everything would go into what we call as a credit shelter trust. Some people call it a bypass trust. Um, and if you fast forward 20 years now, um, they look at that and they say, man, I, I, I sure don't want that. That's no longer applicable to my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, well, you know, a lot of our planning now is not so focused on estate planning where you've got the exemption at $11 million. Um, but there's more, just as much, if not more focus on income tax planning. Where more people would, would take, have an advantage by focusing on the, on the estate planning for a long time because the estate tax exemption has been high enough. Really, it didn't apply to a lot of people for a long time, but then they forget about the tax planning part. That's yeah. so crucial. Yeah. The, the income tax planning. Um, and, and a lot of people don't realize that when someone dies, uh, as a general rule, their, their assets get what's called a step up in basis. So if, if dad, bought a stock at $100 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. dad dies, that stock is now worth $300. Uh, Whoever inherits that from dad, usually mom, mom's going to get a step up in income tax basis of $300, fair market value at the date of death. Right. Um, That's a huge deal. Oh, when she it, goes to sell it, when she goes to sell it, if she didn't get that step up in basis, she's going to pay tax on a two hundred dollar gain. Yeah. Um, when she goes to sell it after dad dies, um, there's not going to be any income tax at all. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, dad gets older and all of a sudden they say, well, let's let's gift all this money to the children. Right. Um. No. Yeah, you, you know, but, well, people don't realize that when you make a gift, there's, there's, 
instead of a step-up in basis, it's what's called a carryover basis. Right. So the children will get a $100 basis, and if they then tell, turn around and sell that stock, they're going to pay gain on as opposed right. to if they inherited it, there would be absolutely no income tax yeah. uh, paid on that. Plus, and, I, and, and on the financial planning side, when we help clients try to figure out what their basis is, uh, so even sometimes when they're alive and they say, oh, yeah, I bought this stock through payroll deduction. I bought this stock over the years. I've been reinvesting all these dividends. So every every uh, and buying more stock with the reinvested dividends. So I've got new basis for each of those shares that I bought, like trying to figure out what is really your basis. And if I just uh, pass it on through my estate, I don't have to worry about figuring any of that stuff out. It's just stepped up to whatever the current price is and I'm done. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, Congress has debated over the years about eliminating step-up in basis because it's such a huge benefit, or at least some members of yeah, Congress. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've gone back and that. forth about that, and I was really more concerned about that, really, than it was some of the other estate tax provisions if they did away with the, the step-up in basis because that benefits, you know, if if the, even the some of the ones who are in favor of more taxes – uh, would think about that. It's really hurting their the lower income constituents because of the not getting the step up in basis. Yeah, think think about the farmers who have had yeah. a farm yeah. in the family for right. years and years. They bought that that farm for fifty thousand yeah. uh, dollars twenty thirty years ago. Now the farm's worth two, three, four, five million dollars. Yeah. Um, if they had to pay income tax on that sale or the those that inherited it down the road. Um, it'd just be disastrous. They'd have to be selling selling the family farm, and then yeah. who knows what happens after that. Exactly. You know? Wow, that's crazy. did have one text. We'll, we'll answer this question, and we'll get back to the trust. But uh, is there a general minimum asset base a family should have before considering a trust? Also, what is the price range, a price range to expect to pay for a trust? That was the question from a uh, listener. No, uh, I don't. I don't think there's a price threshold that um, I think it depends on your family situation. For example, we do trust all the time for minor children or children mm-hmm. less than certain ages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I get a young a married couple coming in. They've got uh, they've got children or grandchildren. Um, <laughs> you know that are that are in their teens or less than that or whatever. And the and the worst thing that you want to do, regardless of how um, mature and responsible your children are, you don't want to put money in their hands at, at too young of an ages. So, uh, so if we always plan where if both mom and dad, dad were to, to die and the children are less than 25 or 30 or 35 or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll put those, those monies in trust so that somebody responsible, um, can manage those, um, assets. It's still going to be for the benefit of the children, but mm, but, right. but the trust will be designed so that the money can be spent for their medical needs, their education, uh, or their support, taking into consideration other resources right. that they may or may not have. Um, you know, there may be children that are that are not responsible, and 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 you're not you're not trying to penalize the children. You're trying to provide for them. Well, it may not be just the child, too. It could be their their grown married with a spouse who is not responsible. And as as long as one of them is not responsible, then you may have an issue. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so it's it's not it's not a a threshold or, or a certain amount of assets um, that's really the the guiding force. 
it's it's your particular family situation and how you want to provide for them yeah. and um just just to make sure those kind of things and another situation i see all the time mm-hmm. um people at work they fill out their 401k beneficiary form right and the primary beneficiary will usually be their spouse and mm-hmm. i and i agree totally with that mm-hmm. and then they'll naturally provide that that if the spouse is not alive it goes to the children right well, if the children are 10 years old or 12 years old or right. even 17 or 18, they don't realize that, you know, those money's going to at that young an yeah. age. Um, so we'll, we'll usually get the clients to change that beneficiary form, put it in a tr- trust for, for the children, um, until their ages that they, they think they'll be more responsible. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's a key. They, they may seem responsible. At, at 16, but then once, once they get, uh, you know, a couple million dollars inherited, they may not be as responsible as you thought they were going to be all that time. All, all of a sudden there's a Maserati in, <laughs> yeah, the, right, yeah. in the front yard. Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> and their, their college education drives up in a Maserati. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not what you really wanted to have happen there. Uh, so, uh, a lot of reasons for the trust then, and, and whether it's to avoid probate, whether it's to help, um, direct and guide the uh, funds coming out and and generally speaking the, for the trustee it the usually is a surviving spouse can be a trustee uh, if the both spouses are gone many times if you have adult children they'll name adult children children as the trustee but that can be a little tricky too because you want to make sure that they're competent, know all the rules, know how to do the reporting of the income that they need to do every year. You want to make sure that the one child who's the trustee and the other two children who have to ask that child for money, <laughs> that can that could cause a little friction every now and then. And of course, you have a corporate trustee now, which we're pleased with Ronald Blue Trust. Now we can we can act as that corporate trustee. And oftentimes it's just a backup if if everything else fails. But it's still some important. So when we get back to the break and we'll, we'll continue the conversation, of course, we want to also uh, finish the uh, conversation about these, um, credit shelter trusts and so forth, what people should do to be how should they look at them now and what kinds of things they should do to consider changing them. Uh, but we'll have to do that after the break. 877-235-9405 is our text line. Like the, the text you already sent a text. We'd love to have more text. 877-235-9405. Or, of course, we love your phone calls. It is a live call-in show, so we love the phone calls as well. 877-235-9405. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 864 233 
1-800-588-7405 or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. So glad you're with us. We're coming up at about 25 before the hour. So I've got a couple of phone lines, a couple of folks trying to get in. We'll get to those in a second. Uh, 877-235-9405 is a text line or phone line. So before the break, Joel, Joel Stoudemire, my guest, uh, state planning attorney, uh, just um, well-respected in the community and, of course, well-respected by us at Ronald Blue Trust and formerly, of course, Plan First. And uh, we're talking about trusts and talking about the different kinds of uh, reasons why you might have one in addition to tax savings. So, uh, Joel, you talked a little bit about the the formula trust, or the, the credit shelter trust and bypass trust and those kind of things that people may have. So we talked about uh, stepped up in basis and how that's affected um, by that. So let's also talk about explain to us and explain to the listeners about the things that they may want to consider doing differently, at least what they want to look at with those credit shelter trusts and how they may want to restructure it if they're not structured right already. Yeah, Mike, we see a, a, a lot of people that, like I mentioned earlier, um, had their documents done back in the late 90s, early 2000s, or even yeah. even later, and they've they've got where the, um, the assets automatically, no discretion whatsoever, automatically go into that credit shelter trust. Right. And that really creates a lot of inflexibility and uh, especially if they're saying or the maximum amount allowed for the state tax exemption goes into that trust that's right and right. That's, that's the typical formula yeah that is the first uh, under that formula the first 11 million will go into that trust and and the terms of that trust may uh, may absolutely not be what they currently want and they mm-hmm. don't realize they've got that right and they don't realize that it's automatic there's no discretion involved on that right so what we'll do is we'll look at that and, and, and the fact that we've got now got what's called portability, which means that it, it, back in the, back in the day before portability, we were, we were doing a lot of work where we were titling assets 50, trying to get 50% right. in the husband's name, 50% in the wife's name because you didn't know who was going to die first. That's no not longer as critical with portability. Right. Um, and, what, what we're seeing a lot of is in order to keep things simple, um, one spouse will just leave everything directly to the other spouse, but we'll put a provision in there. It's called a disclaimer provision that if for whatever reason, uh, after death, the surviving spouse wants to disclaim some assets and actually get them into that credit shelter trust, we've, we've got that flexibility to do that. Um, let me mention a couple of other reasons why okay. trusts may be still in the forefront. All right, then we'll get to the callers. Um, second marriages. Uh, with additional, That happens every now and then these days, ev- doesn't every, it? Yeah. Every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we see a lot of second marriage situations, and one spouse will say, you know, I, 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 love, my, I love my spouse. I want to leave assets to them. But when that spouse dies after me, I want to make sure that, that, that my assets go to my, my children, children. Yeah, not and not children. my second spouse's right. children. And right. that's just natural. Sure. That's just natural. And 
you know, if if they have documents that say everything goes to the surviving spouse, well, even though you trust that surviving spouse, situations change and yeah. people's attitude and their they meet new people and all of that. And those assets may not in, end up in your children's hands right. when it's all said and done. So we 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 see a lot of we can design the trust where the 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 spouse the surviving spouse still gets the benefits the surviving spouse is still taken care of, but when that surviving spouse ultimately dies, um, his or her natural born children are the ones that are rewarded. Yeah, there's also thoughts about remarriage. So what if one spouse dies and, and you want to protect those assets in case the, the surviving spouse does remarry? And then there's even another new set of children maybe involved because you could get pretty complicated with this stuff. Yeah. And you look at the statistics. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, um, husband and wife come in to see me and they say, Oh, if, if John dies, um, I, I, I know I'm, I'm never going to remarry. I, yeah, that's that's not what the statistics. Yeah. Are. Well, it's more yeah. likely that she may not remarry, but he probably will. <laughs> <laughs> if he if something happens to her, he's probably going to remarry. Yeah. Uh, statistics yeah. Uh, bear that out too. Yeah, and you know it, it's it's just a fact of life. Okay. Um, All right. Did you have one other thing about trust? Uh, uh, one of the reasons somebody may use a trust. You said maybe you had a couple things. You want to go to the callers. Let's go to the call. Okay, so let's go to Wayne, who's calling us from uh, Greenwood, wants to clarify something. Good morning, Wayne. Welcome to Talk Your Money. Good morning. You did an excellent job on differentiating between gifts and assets that pass through probate. But one thing I don't think I've ever encountered in all the years that I can be certain, and I need to clarify, when a trust is set up and the creator dies, and the beneficiaries decide to sell real estate or stocks, does that basis not go back to the creator of the trust, his basis, uh, in other words, the donor's adjusted basis, or does it get a stepped-up basis like it, when it does when it passes through probate? Uh, Wayne, as a general rule, when it passes through probate, it will get a step-up in basis. Right, I know that. Okay. So but the, if a trust doesn't pass through probate, does it not get that stepped-up basis? No, it will still – if, if the, the majority of the trusts are what we call revocable trusts. And um, when the assets are already in that trust, when a death occurs, those assets, even though they don't go through probate, will still get a, a step-up in basis. Um, and when they – when they pass either to the surviving spouse or to the children, um, there, there will be a step up in basis. So what about if the assets With a revocable so, trust. Yeah, so I'll, so I'll clarify okay. something. So if, if the assets go into one of these bypass trusts we're talking about, so it act, uh, at, at the first death it goes to the kids, gets a step up in basis maybe at that point, but then that, that trust stays in existence for, you know, 20 years and then uh, that that trust, the surviving spouse dies, and so that trust then passes on to the kids. At that point, there's not a step up in basis for that kind of trust. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So there are times when it doesn't get a step up, depending on what kind of trust it is. But a revocable trust, certainly that does. Yeah, and what um, what a lot of people, what one thing we do plan for now, for example, is um, when when the 
let's just use the example, the father dies and he leaves everything to his spouse, the mother, there's a step up in basis at that time. Twenty years later, the mother dies. There's another step up in basis. So you can, if you, if on the right planning, you can actually get two step step up in basis. Um, whereas with the old credit shelter trust, you 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 get a step up in basis on the first death, but not the second death. Yeah. Does that help, Wayne? Yes. Well, I I already knew that about the surviving spouse. Of course, getting the stepped-up basis and right. another stepped-up basis when she dies. Yes, yes, that helps certainly revoke the type of trust. That's exactly. what it comes down to. Yep, yep, good planning. All right, Wayne, thanks for the call, okay. as always. Thank you. All right, so let's go ahead and switch to John, who's also calling us from Greenwood. This is our Greenwood day hey, again. So, hey, hey good morning, it's, John. It's, it's, it's Greenwood old home morning calling <laughs> in this morning. Sounds like it. I've got a probate, probate and trust issue question, actually, several of them. I'll try to be uh, straight to the point on this. I was a, uh, I've got a dog that's having a problem here in the background. Let me move her. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had a dog you had a problem with probate on. Well, so. <laughs> actually, it might be, but we won't go there. That's, 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 that's okay. another rabbit trail. Um, I, basically, um, I was a uh, trustee in an irrevocable trust, and it was a fairly innovative thing back in the early 80s. Uh, my father was a uh, somewhat irresponsible uh, disabled veteran, and I was named uh, as his trustee and essentially his, his uh, stand-in trustee as half-owner of the house. Um, I, later, um, after Dad died, uh, I recognized that if Dad had been completely in his uh, right facilities, that he would have wanted to leave the, the, the house to my mother. So uh, what I wound up doing was, was going against the trust and uh, putting everything back in Mom's name as opposed to selling the house and doing everything else. Fast forward uh, to 2019, and my mom died back January 3rd, 2019. And so I had this this previous standing where I was also her personal representative, or as it was called back then, executor. And um, so anyway, we went into full-scale probate, and it was one of the worst probate fights that, that one particular prominent attorney down here said he'd ever seen. I was not able to secure an attorney um, to represent me against this particular individual because he was considered uh, um, a, a, a widely in the community one of the most influential around here. Nobody really wanted to go up against him. And a number of people were actually, a number of attorneys actually rented from him. So, okay. and, and so it was just a really complicated thing. So quick cut to the point quick cut to the chase here how can i find an attorney in a uh, to represent me in uh, closing matters on a probate where we've entered the final straight stages there have been some discrepancies and fairly major discrepancies like $25,000 um, that that have emerged in the final accounting and so i need a, a forensic accountant uh to, to, to be able to look at this. So, John, so, was, the, was the probate, though, in Greenwood, or was this down in Georgia? I think from a previous... It was, it was originally it was originally thought to be over in Georgia. Okay. And now it was in Greenwood. Okay. And I have run into a problem with attorneys who will not uh, come outside their county of practice. In other words, I tried to come to Greenville, and I had an attorney who had just had a baby up there, and uh, she couldn't do it on that basis, but she also said that, as it turns out, that um, she, couldn't, she couldn't do it because uh, the law 
laws were different in Greenwood. And I just went, what? That just sounds astounding to me. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think it was an excuse. I don't think it was really true. But um, she, she said that she couldn't represent me in Greenwood because she was based in Greenville. Okay. So, John, I'm going to have you hold just if you, sure. if you don't mind holding through the break. We're past time sure. for the break. And then uh, and we'll I'll shut up. That's why we got the question. So you can hang on and, and so I, we can I'll follow hang up. up and make room. That's okay. fine. No problem. So sure, uh, we'll, we we'll uh, come back with John's question or try to get the answer to John's question. When we come back from uh, this break. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your state attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 800-588-7526 or 864-233-7405. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money, the last uh, less than 10 minutes in uh, Talking Money. Went a little long there before the break with John's question, which is fine. Uh, we don't have time, much time for another question. If you've got a quick text or a phone call, do it now, 877-235-9405. Okay, Joel, John was asking about uh, getting like a forensic accountant uh, or an attorney to help. Like he's talked, sounds like, with one or two, and they... they uh, Sound like gave him just blew him off. <laughs> it sounds like he was saying. So, uh, what's your best best recommendation for him? Well, um, you know, there's no shortage of lawyers anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're they're everywhere. Just turn on the TV. You'll <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, my recommendation is just just keep talking like you're doing now. Just asking people, hey, do you know anybody that um, that that has done some probate work or could could help me and you go to talk to somebody and they said well you know i'm not i'm not doing that but why don't you call so and so so i'd say just keep don't give up just just keep trying same thing with forensic accountants yeah. um there's there's a, there's a lot of good accountants around and just just keep asking and and pursuing it and um i i feel confident that you'll find somebody that um That'll do a good job for you. Yeah, good. Maybe they will be from Greenville and not Greenwood, but still there, there should be somebody available. All right. So Joel, the, one of the main issues we've been discussing today had to do with the formula trust, had to do with the, the formula trust, meaning the credit shelter trust or bypass trust. And we talked about, um, the dangers that may be there if it doesn't really do what you originally wanted it to do. So before we leave that subject completely and hit maybe a few other things before we're finished today. So the, the main advice, it sounds like, is to to look at the document again and see if it really says what you want it to say in light of the new changes with the tax law. And if not, maybe it needs to be redone or amended at least to have more flexibility built into it with uh, disclaimer provisions and things like that. Is that the bottom line? Or Yeah. And, um, you know, 
you you want to make sure that you can take advantage of the uh, step up in basis rules, which mm-hmm. is income tax oriented, right? As opposed to a state tax oriented. Yeah. So, with with the increase in the exemption, we're not as focused on a state tax per se. We're more focused on income tax savings, um, but. From an estate standpoint, not a state tax, but just pure estate standpoint, um, there's so many things that we still want to plan for to make things um, progress the way that you want them. And there's one asset that I see, and I'm sure you've seen uh, very frequently misunderstood, and that is the, the deceased person's, the parent's personal residence. So they have this personal residence that maybe they bought 40 years ago for 20 grand. And it's now worth a hundred. Maybe it's still not worth a ton of money, but that's, that's a big increase. There's an 80,000 gain, or maybe it's worth $200,000 now, but they only paid 20,000 for it. I mean, my first house was 42,500. I think that same house now is selling for 170 or 80. Uh, just an old ranch, old ranch style house. And, and so a lot of people don't think about, okay, if uh, maybe they try to move the house out of the parent's name because they want to make sure they qualify for Medicaid or something like that. And then they, so they take it out of the names and essentially make a gift before death. And then at death, they go to sell the house and find out. And, and the person, the parent never did go under Medicaid. They just, they died of a heart attack or something else more suddenly. And now they're going to sell the house. And guess what? Yeah, yeah and, big and, gain. And, and it's not their principal residence. So they're, right. so they're not eligible for yeah. the, you know, for the exclusion. Right. Um, right. so all of a sudden, um, they, they've got the same basis. As their parents, yeah. as opposed to a step up in basis, and they said, well, "What do I, what do I do?" And I said, "Well, move into the house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could move into the house, make it your primary residence for two years, and then get the exclusion. But then, of course, sell your other house, and you get the exclusion for that. That's move it. to the new house if yeah. you want to stay in mom's old house, and then stay there for a couple of years, and then you can sell it if you want to do that kind of work. If it's worth it to you for all that moving trouble, but, yeah, that that could be pretty awkward, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's a possibility. It is a way to." To, to get around that if you wanted to, but that's right. There's still a lot of work to do. It is. Okay. So we've got about five minutes here left. Uh, some other things that, that we see quite frequently that people, and, and a lot has to do with this step up in bases as well, but not necessarily that. So a lot of, uh, people will use this transfer on death or payable on death registration for a bank account, a checking account or a brokerage account, maybe even their home. And so forth. Uh, and a lot of times they're doing it just to save money for the, to not have to, to do a will. And, and I remind folks all the time, said, look, you're not getting your will done that often. You need to go see a professional like Joel to get that done so that you know it's right because you're, you're never going to know that it's right. You'll be gone and everybody else will find out that it wasn't right. And they may be cursing you in, in the grave that you didn't set it up correctly. Not that you care about that anymore, but still, if you want to protect the family, you want to do it right by them, you make sure it's done correctly because it's not that expensive. When you consider the fact that you don't do it every year. So they're trying to maybe avoid that. So what are some of the dangers with having that? There's some positives to transfer on death, the account registration versus having it just flow through the estate. Um, yeah, the, um, you know, you've you set up that payable on death designation and circumstances may ch- change and you're, you know, you, you go to, you change your will. Um, but because you know, if, if there's a death in the family or something like that and, um, but you forget about changing that 
payable on death or mm-hmm. um, whatever. It it does one one benefit is it does avoid uh, probate. Right. Um, so, you know, I think there are there are benefits there, but. Yeah. Um, well, but because it avoids probate, you may have a provision, and this is where a lot of people forget, like with life insurance, beneficiary designations, IRA beneficiary, anything that has a beneficiary designation that does not go through the probate, doesn't go through the will process, also means that you may have, and I've seen this often over the years, and you have too, Joel, where somebody has provisions in their will set up in their state planning documents where they want some protection. They've got maybe even some trust built in the will to to help take over so that the children don't get it right away and protect the minor children, who who knows, whatever they have it in there for. But then they set up a payable on death account, and it never gets there. Absolutely. Same. Yeah, people don't realize that the will does not govern everything that passes at death. Right. You've got these beneficiary forms, life insurance, IRAs, 401Ks, payable on death, um. Joint with right of survivorship accounts. So that's another one. So joint, so you have a joint ownership with a spouse. So if it's, if it's with right of survivorship, then it's nice at, at death. The surviving, uh, owner is automatically the owner of that account. They could, either one of them could do anything they want to before they died or after they died. Either way, that's, that works fine. But there again, then what happens if they both die at the same time? And if the will's not set up correctly. That's right. Good point. Mike. You got a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you really need to be, be careful when it comes to how your will set up, how your, your contracts like IRAs, 401ks, annuities, uh, none of that. And a lot of people forget annuities. They don't get a step up in basis either. Uh, anything that's in an IRA is not going to get a step up in basis if it's in a traditional IRA. If it's in a Roth IRA, of course, there's, there's, you don't have to worry about basis, but a traditional one, People think I've had people that are that uh, you would think no better thought that their surviving children would not have to pay taxes on an IRA. They thought it was stepped up. I guess doesn't no, happen. No, no, it's um they're definitely paying paying income tax on those distributions when the children receive them. All right, so we got to wrap up today. So of course, if you have any questions or would like to learn more about any of the topics covered on the program today, you can always reach out to your financial advisor, your tax attorney, whoever your professional is. We do believe it's very important to work with an advisor who shares your values, though, and your biblical worldview. So if you want more information, please call Ronald Blue Trust Greenville office, 800-588-7526. Or, of course, you can send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, greenville at ronblue.com. The phone number, once again, 800-588-7526. And, Joel, your phone number. If somebody wants to call and get in touch and see if they would like to get some documents, get you to review something, what's your phone number? Absolutely. 864-282-1127. Yep. All right. We're, we're about out of time here. So thanks for listening to Talking Money. Hope you uh, keep warm and dry, and we'll see you next week for the next edition of Talking Money. Talking Money.